like you're saying, I think a lot of us function in burnout all the time. And we just keep pushing through, pushing through because we have to day after day. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Since the pandemic, and for many of us, well before the pandemic, feeling burned out has become the norm. So many of us are feeling physically and emotionally exhausted, unmotivated, detached, even cynical, and downright depleted. See, over 10 years ago, I experienced my first real consequences of burnout. I was struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome, migraines, a mental cycle that was completely off, and holding on to 25 pounds of extra weight that just would not budge. And these were just the early symptoms of something bigger on the way. Burnout and chronic stress eventually led to an autoimmune condition and mitochondrial dysfunction. It was a long road to recovery because the root causes that drove my burnout ran really deep, so deep that I couldn't even pinpoint the cause for almost a year. The health consequences of burnout are real and something that we need to address. And what I mean by health consequences, I'm talking about chronic conditions, or you can call them lifestyle-driven conditions because that's what they are. Now, based on current research, inflammation, which is the primary cause of chronic disease in the body, is the main response to stress that happens to the body. And it's important to know that stress comes in a whole lot of flavors. Stress is physical, chemical, mental, and emotional. And all these stressors can lead to burnout and emotional breakdown any day of the week. Now, when it comes to stress and burnout, I know we've all been there. We've all had that very long and exhausting day at work when you come home weary, tired, and irritated, and you don't really have resilience for much more outside of eating leftovers on the couch with a binge-worthy show on Netflix. So you accidentally snap at your partner or your kids over something you normally wouldn't even care about, or you completely check out and disassociate into your phone for hours until bedtime. This is an indicator of stress manifesting on a mental and emotional level. And it's something that we simply can't ignore because it can manifest into something even more down the road. So that's why I brought on stress expert and dear friend, Dr. Donnie Wilson, to share how quickly we can identify burnout and what the first steps are to really addressing burnout and ultimately overcoming the heaviness of it and the consequences from deregulated hormones due to, you know what it is, an overacted stress response system, also known as the SOS system, or like I like to call it, the stranger danger system. So when I think about healing from burnout, it's the first steps that matter the most. It's the, what do I do now? How do I even take that first step? That's what we're going to be talking about because the key to coming out of stress and burnout mode is understanding your unique stress response pattern and learning specific strategies to create simple practices that fit your stress type. We all deserve to know our unique stress response pattern and the first steps to address that pattern with daily habits and tools. And that is literally what we're going to get into today. 
with Dr. Donnie Wilson. Now, before I get her on the show, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Donnie Wilson is a naturopathic doctor and a best-selling author of Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. For more than 22 years, she's helped thousands of patients overcome health consequences and achieve wellness using specific strategies to address the whole body and ultimately resolve the underlying causes of stress. You can find her blog, podcast, How Humans Heal, and her self-care program at drdonnie.com. Let's welcome her to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Donnie Wilson, honey. How are you doing? It has been so long, girl. What's what's up with you? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to be talking with you. Thank you so much for having me here. Mm-hmm. Well, we are celebrating your book and we're talking about really the importance of this book right now, especially post-pandemic, post everything that's gone down. I would say that so many of us are unconsciously and maybe even consciously just feeling burned out. And, you know, I say unconsciously because so often it's just the status quo, like we've normalized burnout for so many people. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how was it that burnout has become so perpetual for so many people? And then once we can identify what that is, what are the first steps that we need to take to start healing our body? Because you and I both know that burnout is like the un, like the silent killer, you know what I'm saying? That leads to so many other chronic conditions down the road. Road. So before we get into all that, I know it's a lot to unpack. Ever since I've known you, this is the work you've been doing in the world. And I know we've connected so often because this is, I, I love this work too, because I've been there. So talk to me about kind of that defining moment where you were just like, this is a problem that we have got to solve for people because it is such an epidemic. Oh my gosh. Well, when I first graduated from naturopathic medical school, and I also trained as a midwife, So when I was in naturopathic medical school, I was also on call doing um, home birth deliveries at night. And then I did a residency. You know, it's that same like wanting to do more, wanting to get it done faster. And so I just was doing it all at once. And then I I graduated and moved to New York City right after 9-11. So this is November 2001. And I get to New York and I'm like, this is one of the most stressful times in in history in the tri-state area specifically. And I was like, how am I going to get through this? Because I was I grew up on the West Coast. So I was new to New York and I was new to this situation post 9-11. Now, a year later, I had my daughter who is now 19 years old. So here I was a new mom, new doctor in a new location I was completely burned out. I finally figured it out. 
like you're saying, I think a lot of us function in burnout all the time and we just keep pushing through, pushing through because we have to day after day. But one day I finally tested myself, right? So I finally did my cortisol and adrenaline levels. And I saw in on paper that my levels were so low. And that was the moment when I was like, I have to deal with this. I can't just ignore this anymore. I have to figure out how to solve this if I'm going to be able to keep going. Mm, no, so true. And I just want to just point out that having low cortisol is after you've had high cortisol, right? We see high cortisol first, which a lot of people will see that on their labs. And then when you have like nothing in the tank cortisol, that is that is very far down the line, pushing towards, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, at that point. You know, you may have even been past burnout and heading in that other direction. And I so often, how often do you find that when you finally run labs on somebody, they don't even have high cortisol levels anymore, that their cortisol levels are actually starting to tank? Well, I'm so glad you're mentioning this because a lot of times when we we first become aware that we're stressed or burned out, we automatically assume that we have high cortisol. Like if probably we asked everyone listening, what do you think your cortisol levels are? Most people will guess that it's high because we hear about that most. We hear about being stressed and having high cortisol. And now after 22 years of measuring thousands of people's cortisol levels, I can tell you that we don't all have high cortisol. Some of us have low cortisol at certain times a day. And what I also recommend doing is measuring adrenaline because now we have two parameters we can check. We can see what is your cortisol and what is your adrenaline. And it's different for everyone. So we, we need to, to really help you recover effectively. We need to know where you are to begin with right now. We need to know if you're high or low cortisol and high or low adrenaline. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that because I know everyone's different, but I want to give a general landscape to the conversation as well. In in all the years of you've been looking at labs, I know for me, all the years that I've been looking at labs as well, yeah, it can it can look so topsy-turvy and a lot of things go into consideration. But kind of where would that first stage be? Like on average, what are we normally seeing as indicators? Well, and here's the thing is what I find is that it's going to be different for each person. And like you were mentioning, there's the standard understanding of maladaptive syndrome, adrenal maladaptive syndrome, what we refer to, where if we look at physiology of a human over time, there's a stress response where cortisol adrenaline increases. And then over time, it the adrenals might get worn out or what we call adrenal exhaustion or adrenal fatigue, where the levels become low. And the way I started thinking about it is I wanted to know with the person sitting in front of me, where are they right now? Because that's going to be, you know, more indicative for me of, you know, like what their treatment needs to be. Um, Again, because the treatment's different, right? Like if we, if we're going to use different herbs or nutrients or even stress, other stress recovery activities or substances, that function better if a person has high cortisol, bring it down or high adrenaline to bring it down versus low cortisol to bring it back up. So what I want to know is where are you at this moment in time? And it really varies from person to person. This is why in the book, I identify five, what I call stress types or stress patterns. So we can see where are you at this moment with your adrenal function? And even though, yes, there's what we could look at physiologically over time, What matters most clinically and for health improvement is where are you at this moment? 
Mm, okay. Okay. And so are you finding Dr. Donnie Wilson that, that it is always adrenal insufficiency? Is it ever a cellular insufficiency? Cause that's often what I found too, is that there was a protective mechanism. Like if you keep crying wolf, if the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access keeps firing off stranger danger signals all the time, because the, amygd- the amygdala is all messed up due to previous childhood traumas or the way that you perceive specific situations or that you are a rushing woman running from one thing to another because you've got fierce mama energy or a combination of all of those things, let's be honest. You're constantly firing off, you know, to the adrenals. I get that, you know, the cat- our catecholamines that are like, hey, it's an emergency, what, 50 times a day? What do you think, Tony? <laughs> I know this is this is the reality that we live in. And I'm so glad you're saying this. Like this is, I think, our now our normal existence is we do have our past childhood drama. We have our current drama <laughs> and everything in between. And our brain, our you know, the amygdala in the brain is this, it's our built-in, I call it our built-in stress radar system. We're just, our brain is constantly going to pick up on stress. And I believe that part of addressing it and what I, the name of the book is master your stress. Because to me, it's not just so much managing it is we need to master it. We need to, and to master anything, we need to understand it, become aware of it, understand how it affects us and what we can do about it. And so it's about understanding this stress radar system in our, is going to be picking up on so many signals, right? Like, sounds, change in temperature, change in light and darkness. There's so many things our brain is nervous systems constantly picking up on. And so, yes, that's definitely part of it. It's it's not just what's happening in the adrenals and cortisol and adrenaline. It's also what happens with the vagus nerve, for example, right? Yeah. Or in your mitochondria. You know, I, I look at all of this when I when I've talked so much in at length, and I'm so excited about your book. Of like, at the end of the day, the brain is overfiring. The brain is per- trying to protect you. The brain doesn't feel safe. You've got SOS signals. I call it the the stranger danger, like stranger danger, stranger danger. You know, like you you better run over something that another person would be like, what's the problem? What's going on here? And you know, we send the message to the adrenals. The adrenals are like, okay, 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 fine. They send out the messages to everyone else. And what a lot of people don't realize is that cortisol and adrenaline are tear you down hormones. You can't keep running from the tiger, which is what your body physiologically feels. And so I always thought it was a combination of one, yeah, your adrenals are getting the beat down because they are the messenger that has to relay the next message to all the rest of the cells. But then the other part of it, I always thought was the cells themselves who are like, okay, enough is enough. I've got way too much cortisol banging at my door kind of like insulin, you know, kind of insulin, you know, too much insulin banging at the door. And cortisol is a driver of insulin, by the way. If you always talk about your body can respond to like eating a cupcake, but you didn't eat a cupcake. You're just responding to a trauma that you had from back in the day. So then your cells are like, you know what? I I don't need all this emergency energy. I can't handle all this emergency energy. I don't even have the nutrients inside of myself. I've burned through all of the magnesium and the B vitamins and all the things in my mitochondria. I call them the the divas of the cell. Like they're just like, we can't take it. We can't take it anymore. And and that's, I always have felt like that's what really led to like the end result chronic fatigue 
of it's on a, at a cellular level, the cells just can't take it anymore. And so I, I don't know if you speak into both what happens, the adrenals, but then also what happens on a, like at the cell level of like, just enough is enough. I can't do this. I don't hesitate to go into this in the book. You know, I really believe that when we understand understand those diva mitochondria, how important they are and how much they're affected by stress. Ultimately, if our mitochondria are struggling and overwhelmed and overwhelmed by oxidative stress, right? This external stress turns into oxidative stress in our cells. The mitochondria, we need them to make energy for us. So like you said, this is why chronic fatigue is associated. How are we going to have energy to do anything if our mitochondria are completely overwhelmed by stress and oxidative stress? And these mitochondria are running the show ultimately inside of all of our cells throughout our body and our brain. So they are so important. And to understand that there's something we can do to help them. Like I think sometimes we've been under so much stress and we feel awful, right? We're exhausted. We're anxious. We can't sleep you know, our digestion's off, our everything is off. And we're, right when we're feeling our worst, we're supposed to now figure out how to recover. And it's so it can feel so unfair. But I think that if by understanding like, okay, these, they can also heal. Our mitochondria can heal when we give them the right nutrients. We move that oxidative stress and we start making changes in our day-to-day life. We can actually help them recover and get the nutrients back and get things functioning again. Um, But I love how you say that, like the mitochondria are so affected by these other hormones, cortisol, insulin. And then the other factor to throw into the mix is the imbalance of neurotransmitters that occurs. These neurotransmitters like serotonin and GABA and dopamine, they have to do not only with our energy, but our mood and our focus and our sleep. And they get affected by stress. So as soon as like our serotonin is low or our GABA is low or the dopamine is high or low, now that's scrambling the signal more. So no wonder we can feel so awful. Mm. I know as everyone's listening and as we're both talking, it's this sounds like a multiple pronged situation here. And I don't even, where do we even start with it? And I know that not everyone, unfortunately, is able to get full testing, although I do feel it's so critical to know. And then also, you know, know, it's one thing to hopefully balance out adrenaline and cortisol, but also then we've got these other things that we've caused... (laughs) We've caused problems, which are equally as critical. And so, Donnie, honey, where where do you, when you've been taking care of thousands of patients, where do you start knowing that someone has got, you know, a brain is receiving the crazy signals. It doesn't know how to receive safety signals anymore. And so there, it's just a, a firing, a firing, a firing of information that's freaking the body out. And I know that your, our hormones are literally, literally just responding to that information, that perceived information. Then they're going and doing their thing, which is lighting up so many other parts of the body as well. These are critical hormones. These are survival hormones. You don't need reproduction if you can't survive. You don't need gut function if you can't survive. There's a lot of things we can put to the wayside for survival, first and foremost, whether you're really truly in a survival mode state or not. I love that you're saying that because I, in the book, I talk about it as, yes, survival mode or stress mode. When we get, and we literally get stuck in stress mode, it's like the, sometimes then we don't even realize we're stuck in stress or survival mode because it's so normal. 
it just feels like, well, this is just how it is. And we, we don't know how to get out of it. So it's just, that's your existence. So even to be able to take a step back and say, is it even possible to get out of stress mode? And my question became, how do I stay out of stress mode while still living my life and my passion while still, right. Still being a parent by still working or running a business by for still having relationships, you know, how do we do the things we love to do and still have stress exposure, but not have to be constantly in that stress mode. And so this is exactly, I love you're asking me like, how do, how do you do that? And this is the question I asked when I started developing this protocol that I share in the book. And to me, yes, there's things you can do in general, right? That might help everybody. Things that probably everyone hears about anyway, right? Meditation or deep breathing or, you know, going, there's things that generally we know, okay, I should do that because it's probably good for my stress level. But I wanted to take it another step further to be more effective. I don't want to just get you partway there. I want you to get all the way there to mastering stress and being resilient to stress. And so what I did is I, I developed a assessment that's in the book. So you don't, without having to pay for a test in the book, you can do an assessment that helps guide you through what is your stress type? Are you the stress magnet type based on your symptoms and what's going on in your body? Or are you the blonde blue, for example? Because then you can more closely determine what your treatment should be. Even from diet, we can make dietary changes. We can make sure you're getting enough sleep. We can make sure you're getting stress recovery activities and exercise. But my argument is those things need to be fine-tuned based on your stress pattern, your specific stress pattern. So we're going to make slightly different emphasis of diet or sleep or exercise or stress recovery based on your situation, your unique situation, because that's going to make you more successful and become resilient, becoming resilient to stress. And in, in the five archetypes that you have for stress, is there one that you find or a couple that you find are more prevalent? I would say the two most common are the stress magnet and the blonde blue. Stress magnet is going to be high cortisol, high, high adrenaline, at, at least at some point during the day. And the blonde blue is the low cortisol, low adrenaline. So those are the two opposites of each other. But I have to say the night owl, which is when the cortisol and adrenaline is high in the evening is actually, I fall in there, that category often, my cortisol will go up at night. There's also the combination ones where there's, you might have high cortisol, low adrenaline or low cortisol, high adrenaline. Those are also common patterns. Like I, I'm always so curious when I get a person's, when I can actually measure it and test it, it's pretty equal. I might even say it's close to 20% of each category. We just really want to like get a better sense of it. And I, my hope is that going forward in the future, that more and more research is based on these patterns, because I really feel like it's so essential when say we research exercise, for example, if we just do, or meditation, if we just do a general study and the study says, Meditation is good at bringing your cortisol down. Well, what about for people who already have low cortisol? How is meditation for them? And so I really think we need to require or, or ask of research to be more specific to these stress patterns so that we can even be more specific about our stress recovery. But what I did is I went through all the research and found any information that already exists that helps us fine tune it, you know, like to say, okay, if. I'm going to be eating clean, 
but what do I need to do with my eating clean based on my, my pattern? Mm, there's so much to unpack right there. I was thinking about, and I we, we can get in the type of testing that you recommend. I'm just going to put myself on the ledge or, or become a little bit vulnerable. My whole life, from when I can, for as far as I can remember, I was, I just operated, I thought was just high achiever mode. Like I thought I was just, I just was like, the standard is the standard and how you do one thing is how you do everything. And the standard was always really high. And I would run and 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 run. Kind of like how you were talking about, like, why not do two programs at the same time? I mean, let's knock these suckers out, right? You know, and then the result of it is that our, your bodies, our bodies are just not meant to do that. Not at that level. Level. Like there, and everyone has their own resilience. And I, I think a lot of that has an interplay with how you were brought up, what you endured as a child, all of these things come into play. And I've been measuring my cortisol levels, Donnie, for many, many years. And I'll tell you what, girl, I've never fully recovered. I haven't. And, and it's, it's always just been consistently low at every turn. I think the only time cortisol is like in its magic spot is around noon or two o'clock. That's maybe it's noon and then it starts to just, it just starts to go downhill. And so it's naturally my natural tendency. And this has been for years and I've improved upon it. What I know to be true is I have a lot of modalities that I use. I do meditation. I do deep breaths. I take walks. I work out every day. I take a lot of supplements. Yeah. I eat a, I eat a lot of healthy food. Like I do the work around myself, but I know that I have a lot of trauma as a child, a lot. And that unbeknownst to me at times, unconsciously, it is still a driver of how I am as a person in the world. And it sometimes it gets really, it, it, it lights back up. Um, it's been, now that I'm a new mama, it's kind of come back a little bit more. Like my Alex is like, oh my God, you're now you, but you're you as a mom. Like all of a sudden we, I thought you healed a lot of your stuff and now it's coming back again. Like all of a sudden you're super fierce and it's, you know, it's a little intense and I'm finding myself back into these, in these, what I call these neuro, neurological grooves, right? Where I'm stuck. And, and again, I've got all these little, little bumper things around me to help me. But at the end of the day, lab after lab, after lab, after lab, we're seeing the same th thing. And, um, and like I said, when I'm really good about like locking it up, I'm not so rushy, you know, I'm not so handling business like a fierce mama, everything, things get a little bit better, but I'm curious, like even knowing the different types, even knowing that I, my, my levels haven't really made, I've changed them a little bit and I do all these things to do it, but I know that the deeper, 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 deeper driving work is this deeper trauma work. One, do you go into this a little bit in the book? And two, when we get to the core root of it, because right, cortisol and adrenaline is a physiological response based on my BS from back in the day. Until I handle that mess, it is messy. Is it ever going to get better? You know what I'm saying? I love this question. Thank you so much for digging into this. I really appreciate it. And this is exactly why I wrote the book, because I also felt like I'm doing the stuff. Right. Like I'm doing that. I'm yeah. taking an adrenal products. I'm doing my, you know, I'm getting a massage or I'm doing my meditation. You know, we can do the stuff. And I think a lot of people feel that way too. Like, Hey, I'm taking pretty good care of myself, but it keeps showing up. And you're pointing out that it's when we go through transitions, like maybe it's a hormone change or, you know, a new thing in your life, a baby, or maybe it's when, when people move or when they go through menopause or when they, 
you know, some other little shift happens, it can re-trigger are these old stress patterns. And it's very true. I, I go through, I have a whole chapter about what are the ways that stress showed up for us? Because ultimately our health, the way we feel, our energy, mood, focus, sleep, you know, how we feel in our bodies is determined to some degree by our genetics. You know, we know that's a small percentage of it now. We used to think genetics was a big piece, but now we know it's less than 20%. The majority of how what we experience in our life and our health is based on our what's usually called environment. I refer to that as our stress, our past stress, our current stress. And we do, as you're kind of alluding to, we get we have these patterns in our nervous system. And this is where this concept of neuroplasticity comes in, where we know that we can rewrite some of those programs. We can rewrite some of those pathways or it can feel like you're in a rut, right? Like as soon as a stress trigger comes in, you end up right on that same stress trigger again. And you're like, how did I get on this road again? I'm trying to be on that other road. And you can try different things. And I do cover this in the book, everything from different kinds of therapy that people try to try to shift these paths. How do we process these emotions from our past? And I've been through a lot of this myself, whether EMDR therapy, somatic therapy, you name it. How do we actually shift this experience in our nervous system and I have to say for myself, one of the biggest things that made a difference for me was, well, and it's hard to say because I've done so many different things over the years trying to solve this for myself. Well, in the past year, what I did is I started working with a shaman and I went to, I don't know how much you want me to share about this, but I'm happy to, is I went to, I went to Peru and worked with psychedelic therapy. One of the first times in my life, Marisa, it was when I was like, wow, like this really has beyond the therapy and all the different approaches, this really, for me, was touching at a deeper level of rewriting some of these stress patterns for myself and I see for other people too. And so it just opened my mind to the fact that, again, it's possible to rewrite these programs. And maybe psychedelic therapy isn't right for everyone, but if you've already tried a lot of things and you're feeling like I'm wanting to really get to the bottom of this and shift it, that that might be an option that I do talk about in the book. Hmm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And no, we don't really talk a lot about plant medicine here on the show. And it's, I, you know, I'd be curious to hear what do you, what do you girls think? What do you ladies think about even having that discussion? I have had family members and friends and colleagues who have ventured into them. There's not clearing traumas, not stuck in those neuro patterns and not finding a way out and really at their wits end, people with addictions, you know, and, and, and trying plant medicine and, and it finally being kind of a piece of the puzzle that unlocks a lot of what's going on. And I realized that for all kinds of reasons, it may not be a good decision for people and they may not even have the resource for it. I remember I, ha I had a really good friend of mine who has really severe anxiety and she knows she's got a lot of brain trauma. She went to Dr. Amon's clinic. And so he told her, he's like, "Your what's happening with you is that you have too much trauma, that you've got to go and work that out. And so she's been trying all these modalities and reached out to me. And she's like, do you know anybody where you live? I know you're connected with a lot of holistic practitioners. Like, cause she's like, where I live, it's, it's a no go. There's nothing. I can't do it. There's nothing I can do. I need to be willing to exhaust all of my options. I haven't reached back out to her yet. It's a call I need to make, actually. <laughs> that's a great reminder right now. But I do realize that a lot of people that that's a no-go and that what I will say, Donnie, is that 
I know, a, I know a lot of what's going to be in your book, and I know that it's going to be more fine-tuned and tailored to the specific five particular archetypes of stress. But in my experience, and probably in your experience as well, is that I can get almost all the way there. Then there are definitely times in my life where I have been like, oh my goodness, it's like it's like a beach vacation in my brain. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, so I know it's achievable, but it's so fascinating. And I know, and I know the, the the neuroscience around it is that these grooves, these protective grooves, are there for a reason. The brain, it's always looking for a reason to be protective. I, you know, I talk a lot about in the show and in my in my own books about sending the brain preemptive safety signals, pre-gaming the brain, you know, before maybe something you know is coming up and the right nootropics and supplements and and nutrition. And and really, I think for, for me is really a lot of me time, a lot of time to myself where I'm not caught up in everybody's business. You know, I'm not the common denominator for everybody and their mama's mama's stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so- I know that it is achievable without plant medicine, but it's been so fascinating to me, girl, how quick it is to come right back into play. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like for me, that's why I talk about it so much, is it's, it's my biggest struggle. It is always up for review. Always. Yes. Like there's so, and this is why in the book I have a whole, I cover the whole menu of possibilities. And I really do believe that it's what we're doing on the day to day. I call it our self care, right? We usually, we hear more about self care, but what I do is I break down the acronym care. So C is clean eating. It's what we're feeding ourselves and not only what we're feeding ourselves, but how we're feeding ourselves. Like what intervals of time and how much food and which types of foods and how long are we fasting and all of that. Like we need to look well, at how we're fasting is a stressor. Exactly. So if you fast too long, now you're stressing yourself out again. Same with exercise. Exercise is a huge stress relief. But if we over exercise, it's triggering our cortisol again. To me, it's like finding the Goldilocks, right? We have to, for ourselves, for each of us, find what is enough, but not too much. Because if we don't do enough of our care, that's not going to work. We're going to fall behind. We're going to get burned out. But if we do too much, which like we talked about, it's so tempting because we've been taught from a young age to be willing to do more. So we do more exercise. We do more fasting. We do more, even meditation. Now I have to say, because again, you can see I'm a researcher on myself. So I'm willing to try plant medicine. Not everybody needs to do that. But what I love to do is bring back the information I gained and say, I learned from that experience with plant medicine that it's possible to heal, that it, a lot of it is like you're saying by taking a break, like we literally, sometimes I think we just need more time to ourselves. Like how do we create 10 minutes, let alone four hours or a whole day or a whole week where we just like get a break from our lives. Right. And as a mom and someone who's working and needing to work all the time, that's hard to imagine. So sometimes we do have to, we have to start with small increments. Like, how do we start with 10 minutes and just be like, I get 10 minutes where nobody else is going to ask anything of me. I can do whatever the heck I want. If that's going to be a breath, some breaths, if that's going to be meditation, if that's going to be take the dog for a walk, whatever it is. But now you get to be the owner of your own brain for 10 minutes. It's amazing what can happen. And that's to say, I take that after everything I've experienced, I come back and I realize, wow. I can actually have some of those same moments of realization that I have had with plant medicine in a moment at home 
but we have to, to make sure we create that time for ourselves. And that's sometimes the biggest struggle is for men and for women is how do we ask for that? How do we ask for time for ourselves? How do we ask for that help and that, you know what I mean? That because we have to prioritize ourselves enough to be willing to say, hey, I need 10 minutes to myself right now. Mm-hmm. Girl, amen. I have been trying to prioritize alone time for months and every week, every week I'm like, I'm going to have alone time. I'm going to have alone time. And then the week happens to me, you know, versus happening for me. And I'm like, oh, I could, I could just get this work done real quick, or I could just do this thing real quick, or let me just go see what's up with Kingston. And then Kingston brings me into the world, you know, and I was on the phone with a coach the other day and she's like, you have to be so fierce about this, this time to yourself. She's like, pretend like it's a million dollar patient. You know, like she's like, what, what does it have to be for you to actually walk out of the door and go be by yourself? Like, and, and I was like, oh my God, that's how I have to reframe it. Like, it's gotta be so critical that there's no one who can stop me, including myself. I cannot even stop myself from going and doing it. But like, even this week, it's, it's now today's Thursday, Thursday afternoon, and um, my intention after, literally after this, although I'm writing an episode on 10 ways to lower high cortisol <laughs> on, for a solo episode. Now you know what you're going to write about. And here, sometimes, like, it's so funny. As you're saying this, part of me thinks, especially when my daughter was young, because I get it, when, you're, when you have a young child, you feel like you meet every free minute you're supposed to be with them. So we kind of feel guilty for taking even a minute to ourselves. But I would think even if I get to go in the bathroom and take a shower for 10 minutes by myself, I would be like celebrating and the shower becomes where I'm meditating, where I'm singing, where I'm downloading. Like sometimes it's as simple as taking a shower. So start with something you maybe already do, but you maybe weren't thinking of it that way. Maybe you weren't giving yourself permission to take the shower time as your time. And the other thing is for me, what it took, by the way, I mean, I had migraines for over 20 years. And what would happen with the migraine is the pain would come on from my shoulders and my neck. And I would get so nauseous. I would be vomiting sometimes for 24 hours. So I'm maybe on the bathroom floor and now I can't take care of my daughter. I can't take care of my patients. I can't do, I can't even do, I can't do anything except for lay on the floor and wait for this to go away. And I said to myself, what do I have to do? And what do I have to do to not have this happening? And I realized one day, that the migraines were trying to tell me to take a break, that if I would create my own breaks in my schedule, I wouldn't have to have the migraine create the break for me. So I had to realize that the pain I was in and the suffering, that's what made me make a break for myself. And so I ended up scheduling it, started scheduling it into my day. I literally, yes, put it into my calendar. This is, you know, I would start with an hour or four hours and I'd be like, this is my time that I get to do whatever I want. I don't have anything else I'm supposed to be. Everybody else knows that this is my time. And I just started, start with something doable. Like always, like any changes we make, I always encourage you to start in small increments. If we try to over, you know, if we're like, oh, I'm going to take 10 days off, it's never going to happen. You're going to fail every time. So you have to choose something that actually you're going to be successful at, right? So then you can be successful and celebrate it 
And then you can choose it again and you can extend it a little bit until you find a perfect amount. But that's what it took for me to, to make that choice. I was like finally saying enough with these migraines and I don't get migraines anymore. Oh, thank goodness. I also had the stress overwhelm migraines too. And it took me a long time to fi- finally figure it out as well because you throw everything at it and you're just like, oh, my body's like, I just can't do this anymore. The other thing I wanted to share really quickly is that fine tuning piece. As a recovering stressaholic, well, clearly maybe not. Um, as somebody <laughs> who's, I mean, for the most part, like I, I recognize very quickly where I'm like, oh, that I'm out of alignment here. And I know when I've overstressed the system, but like for me, I can't work out more than 30 minutes. It's got to be in the morning. It can't be in the afternoon. Like I know what my cortisol looks like, you know, throughout the day. I know when it is closest to my being my best friend and when it's not, you know what I'm saying? And so I have all these, I've learned all these things about my body and how to operate in the world so that I can minimize the amount of burnout, that feeling. And one of the things that I wanted to just share that's kind of been a little bit of a game change because sometimes girl, I will override what I know to be true. And so I have um, a wearable that I've been wearing. It's called a whoop strap. My husband finally got it for me. And I was so reluctant because it measures your sleep. We are co-sleeping. I'm still breastfeeding, girl. Let me tell you, it is a hot mess of a situation. I am, And I was like, I don't need a strap to tell me how crappy my sleep is every day. <laughs> But he finally got it for me for Christmas and I've been wearing it. And one of the things that I love about it is it gives me a battery score every single morning based on my sleep, my HRV, my respiratory rate, my heart rate, my pulse. It takes all this information into consideration. Doesn't look at like hormone levels by any means. And it'll tell me like your recovery score is 34%. And that'll tell me I am not doing a 45-minute Peloton ride or I'm not doing a big weight training that day. Like when I'm under 30% recovery, which is basically in the crapper, okay, that's what, and it feels like that to me. Like I wake up and I'm like, man, I don't feel like I have anything in the tank. I know, like it's a great validation to tell me, like, no girl, you ain't got nothing in the tank. Like it's not the day to push yourself. And then when days I'm in the 85 range or 80% range, I can feel it too. Like it really attributes to how I feel and I know I can push it more. That's been kind of like my own little way of hacking of like, oh, there's a visual that really is a representation of how crappy or how good I feel based on how hard I pushed myself as a mama yesterday. You know what I'm saying? What I'm guessing is that you've already really fine-tuned based on your stress type. Like I'm curious when you look in the book and you see like, I think you're an example of someone who's already figured out how to fine tune your stress type, which is exactly what I want to encourage everyone to do. Um, Yes, we can use these devices to help us get some objective feedback. Once we know. Yeah, yeah, because then you can help, it can help you fine tune. And I also, besides using a device, I encourage you to look at those. When you wake up in the morning, do this little daily check-in. How's my energy? How's my mood? How's my, how was my sleep? How was my focus? How do I feel in my body? And when you do that little daily check-in, you're going to get a sense of what you're describing as your recovery. How am I doing with my stress recovery today? And then how am I going to shift my daily self-care routine based on that, right? On your day, when you come near 35, you know that you need more self-care recovery that day. Then on a day when you're at 85, you're like, okay, I'm going to do my my general step self-care, right? We can constantly be adapting. And I think it's important because 
it shows us we need to be aware of our stress recovery day in and day out, not just when you're on vacation, not just, you know what I mean? We tend to delay it and it's not, it has to be every day. It has to be every day. That is the one thing I know for a hundred percent sure. And I'm so happy that it's in the book and you're saying it, it has to be every day because let me tell you when it's not every day for me, Ooh, it is, it comes all right back up. And yes, you're, you're right. I mean, I've been fine tuning this for years and still it's a struggle, you know, and still I fall into patterns. And so I wanted to just put that on the table because I know you and I have been through it and I know that this is your, your wheelhouse 100%. And I know so often my, my community comes to me, the amazing women listening to the show. And it's just like, man, like I, I thought I turned a corner and now I'm back where I was, you know, and, and I'm like, I know, I know that place all too well. What I'm really hoping that people get from this book is not only identifying kind of where they land, but then also how to fine tune, how to get to a place that feels good to them. And that's what I'm really, that's what I really hope. And I just want to say thank you for, I know you're a researcher first and foremost, and I know you've been through the gamut as well. Like there's something to be said about someone who's lived it and been in it and, you know, and it's still on the journey. And so Donnie, honey, I think that this is such a magnificent book to put into the world. The second I, you, I knew you had a book coming out. I was like, girl, you got to get on the show because I know this has been your life's work. And so talk to me about how we can get this book into our hands. It's through this publishing company. So you can get it wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places, and then definitely come back to let me know that you, you got it at drdonnie.com so that I can give, you know, I want to help people use the book and really get the most out of it. I love it. Cause you've got, you've got, do you have some bonuses on the book order page, honey? At drdonnie.com, or if you go forward slash MSRH for Master Stress Reset Health, um, you're going to get, well, first of all, if you pre-order it the first week of May, we're going to be doing a live event all week for everyone who's receiving the book and starting to use it. It's my um, live stress reset. I have the recipes from the book because it also has a clean eating recipes. You get access to those right away. You're going to get a meditation from me and so much more just to really support you through using this information. I love it. I completely agree. Like I really want everyone to be able to know that you can dial it in and it is, a, it's a daily practice. I think of it. It's a something we just need to be aware of and practice daily. I do, you know, and I have hard days too. And then I just learn from them and say, what do I need to tweak about my routine and my, what I'm doing so that I can dial it in as best as possible to feel as best as I can and still do what I'm passionate about. Mm, I love it. I love, love, love it. And it, this is going out. This interview will go out the week that the book goes out. And so it'll be a great time to go and take advantage of all the bonuses you've got going on. And I am so excited to get my hands on it and to read it myself. I know that I'm going to resonate with so much in this book. I hope to walk away with some other tools that are in your wheelhouse that I may not even know about. So thank you, honey. You're welcome. And please reach out. I'd love to help you out more. So just let me know. Thanks, honey. <laughs> For a very long time, I found myself easily triggered and driven into the survival mode, and it had major health consequences. Little did I know that these were symptoms of burnout and an overactive stress response system that needed a massive recalibration. When you've been operating in a state of ongoing stress and continue to press on, like so many of us do, it's hard to really recognize that your body is wearing down, especially when it comes to your hormones and neurotransmitters. The first step is awareness, as always. 
and then identifying how your body has been impacted. And this is exactly what Dr. Donnie breaks down in her newest book, Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. Because when you understand and identify your stress type, how your body uniquely responds to stress, how your hormones uniquely respond to stress, you can strategically support your body and your mind to recover from that burnout. Once you understand how your body responds and you have the right tools, supplements, self-care dialed in on a daily basis, you shift into calm and flow, release that anxiety, recover your energy, and restore and rebalance your brain and body. And that leads to more resilience and more freedom. Now, this is what Dr. Donnie is offering in great detail in her book. And I'm going to tell you, it is powerful. I highly recommend getting your hands on it. Now, I'm going to have the link for Dr. Donnie's book in the show notes for this episode. Again, the book is called Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. And I feel like it is a book that every single one of us needs to get our hands on because at some point we are dealing with this. Well, as always, I want to say thank you so much for coming on to the Essentially You podcast. This show is all about providing you tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. Now, if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this today, take a moment, screenshot this episode, send it on over to them via text message or social. And I know you know someone who needs this information today. That way we can continue to spread the word about hormone literacy and really help the people in our lives that matter most. Now, if you share on social, hashtag hormone CEO. And until the next episode, have an amazing day.